Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. Welcome back, ladies. I think you are going to love today's episode. Today, I am talking with Jess Jordana Paxson, who is a copywriter, or as she refers to herself, a heart translator, who helps creative business owners turn their passionate mumblings into words people actually get. She's worked with everyone from solopreneurs to organizations like the Rising Tide Society, but according to her, her most impressive accomplishment is surviving teaching in the high school classroom. Today, we are talking all about why your audience is showing up but not taking action. Jess is going to break down so many different aspects of that and give her advice on how you can really convert onlookers into clients, which I think is really huge for those of us who are growing our Instagram followings. We're getting that social media engagement. We know people are viewing our website and joining our opt-ins, but we can't get them to buy from us and we just want to convert them into clients. So I think this episode is going to be so helpful for all of you that are having that problem. And I know you're going to love Jess's advice. Hi, Jess. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm definitely excited too. I think this is going to be such a fun conversation and so helpful to our listeners who are in business. So I'm super, super excited. Um, But before we dive into this whole conversation, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got here and what your journey looked like? Yep. So my name is Jess. Um, I am a copywriter and a brand messaging strategist. So that's just a fancy way of saying that I help creative business owners take all of their passion that's built up inside of them and turn it into words that people actually get so that people like book you and buy from you and become your best friend and all of that good stuff. So um, the way that I got into this work was kind of like a roundabout way. I don't have um, corporate experience in copywriting or anything like that. My experience comes wholly from the classroom and from understanding words and people. So um, I started out in my adulting life, I guess you could say, as um, a high school teacher. And it was something that I never, ever wanted to do. I was an English major in college and everyone says, hey, so what are you going to do with that is like their first question. And their second question is, oh, are you going to teach? And I would always say, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to teach. And then I ended up teaching. So um, I went into it as kind of like an easy path like with air quotes, easy path, um, as I got my riding feet wet, but it turned out to be one of the rudest awakenings I've ever had in my life. Um, and it was the hardest three years I've ever had of just learning, um, what people needed from me, what students needed from me and kind of how to navigate teaching them the things that I needed to teach while giving them what they needed. So, um, 
that was a journey that was super difficult, but I'm so grateful for it. Um, and kind of toward the tail end of that, I asked myself, is this something that I want to be doing in the next five to 10 years? And the answer to that was no. So I started to head in a new direction and I wanted to start my own business. So that's kind of my roundabout way of how I ended up here. Um, and I think that it was definitely the way that it was supposed to happen because I got to spend a lot of time figuring out how people work from like an emotional and a brain level. And that is one of the best kind of foundational pieces when it comes to writing copy um, and doing marketing and all of that good stuff. So that's my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> that's awesome. I love First of all, never say never. I feel like we always right? end up doing things that we say we were never going to do. Uh -huh, <laughs> but yeah. I love that you, I, I love that you knew what you wanted and what you didn't want. Like even in the middle of that really rude awakening, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I love that you transitioned out of that when you knew you needed to. And you were like, I want to start my own business. And you just did it. And mm -hmm. not a lot of people do that. You know, a lot of people are too afraid to leave their secure job. Even if it's not a corporate job, it's, it's a secure job. You know what I mean? So I, I, I just think that's awesome that you had the guts and took the step and, mm -hmm. and now you're running a really successful business. And, yeah. and I, I just think it's cool that because not a lot of people would think, Oh, being a, a high school teacher helped you run your own business, but you picked up all of those little skills that you needed and you took what you could learn and, and applied it to your business and applied it to copywriting. And I just think that's cool because not a lot of people can actually find lessons in everything. And you did and you applied it. And now I, I feel like that's probably why you're successful in your business and why you're such a good copywriter, because now you've applied what you knew with your students to your clients. So kudos to you because that's just awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think I learned kind of two big lessons in that. One, as, I don't know, kids, people in the world, I don't know, we are taught to climb and I had to learn how to take intentional steps instead of just climbing because my natural inclination is to just do the next thing that's in front of me. And that's kind of what I was doing with teaching is after I felt like I got some good lessons under my belt, I wanted to teach other teachers and then I wanted to blog and then I wanted to, um, be a leader in my department. And then I wanted to, um, speak at conferences and all of these things, but that wasn't what I really wanted for my life. I just wanted to kind of check off the next box. And I think that that is really easy to fall into. Um, even in entrepreneurship, like you're just like, okay, I mastered this. Now what's next instead of, okay, I mastered this. Did I enjoy that? Is that the direction that I want to go in for my life? And if not, can I have the courage to take a step back and do something different? So I think that's a really important lesson to learn. And I also learned that it's not, especially when it comes to writing, copywriting, I think there's the possibility to just write words for people. And then there's the possibility to write words for business owners and then teach them how to use that message themselves. And I think that's kind of what teaching equipped me to do because I don't ever want to 
just give somebody a finished product and then have them still at the same space that they were before we started together. So um, I think those two things are something that I've really tried to carry that intentionality and really teaching people and bringing them along in the journey um, in my business now. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, that's so awesome. I love that you you mentioned that you were just climbing and, and doing the next thing and whatever that was. And I think sometimes you have to do that, right? Like sometimes you just have to do the next thing and just keep doing the next thing to figure out what you don't want and to figure out what, what doesn't work. Yeah. And so, absolutely. but I love that when you knew it was time to start being intentional and start really making those decisions on, okay, what, do I need to do versus what I want to do? How did that actually feel? Did I enjoy it? When you actually started asking yourself those questions is when you could pivot into the business that you have now and the business that's actually successful for you and really benefiting your clients. And I love that you're so client focused too, because a lot of people running a business are just like, oh, I'm in business for myself to make money, to be my own boss, to do this, to do that. And mm -hmm when you come from a place of trying to serve other people, which you definitely are by saying, I want to teach them. I want them to be in a better place than they were when they came to me. You're inevitably going to do better in business because people just enjoy working with you. Mm -hmm. So I love that you, you're so client centered and you're so focused on really actually helping people and not just, you know, writing the words on their website. You're, you're really focused on teaching them something that's going to give them value and, and benefit their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, let's dive in because we are going to talk today about your idea of attention versus information. And so I'm really excited for you to talk to our audience about why their audience might be showing up, but not actually taking action. And I feel like that is something we probably have all struggled with at some point in our business. And a lot of our listeners are probably still stuck in that place where they know people are on their website or following them on Instagram and liking their stuff, but they're not really getting actual clients and people aren't taking actual action, you know, on their site, on their Instagram, on whatever platform. And so I'm really excited to get your insight, your advice for them yes. on that, because I think that's such a tricky topic. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I think, I don't think that every, I don't think that every business owner needs to master copywriting. Um, I think every business owner needs to have a few mindset shifts that are going to set them up for communicating the message that needs to be communicated on a consistent basis. And I really am of the camp that connection is the conversion long game. So I think conversion is a really buzzy word. Um, and everybody's like, here's how to 10x your conversions and all of that kind of stuff. But really connection is the foundation of that. And connection will help you make those conversions over the long term again and again and again, because people will tell other people about you and all of that kind of stuff. So the first mindset shift that I think that we need to make is that your website needs to be less encyclopedia and more coffee date ish. So, um, I think it's really easy to think that your website is just like your 
kind of brochure, but it's definitely transitioned from that into it being a place where you're actually developing that initial relationship with people. So I think in the early days of websites and online business, it was okay to have a website that was just chock full of helpful information um, because it there was less competition, um, fewer people were doing what you're doing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but now with so many business owners out there, it's absolutely necessary to start developing that relationship with people as soon as they land on your website or on your Instagram page or whatever. So I think that that's the first mindset shift that needs to happen. And so whenever I think about a coffee date, um, I like to think about, so I love coffee and coffee dates are totally my jam with like how to connect with people. If I could have a coffee date with like every friend in the world, that would be the best because you get to kind of dive deep and you get to go back and forth and kind of converse with each other. Um, and I think that that is so much more valuable when you're asking people to make a transformation in their life. So kind of the first step whenever I think about a coffee date on your website is to help your visitor really see themselves on the page. So this is kind of when you first meet people and you find those like commonalities that tie you together um, and that kind of um, show that you're each other's people. Um, so it's really necessary to capture their attention by putting up that mirror on your homepage. So you can do that by um, addressing their pain points, but I actually suggest that you do that by addressing their strengths first. So addressing the things that you see in them that are positive um, so that they can kind of see that in themselves. And then when they get to the pain points, um, it feels like less of a blow and it doesn't feel like somebody is just saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you're probably feeling this, all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of the first step um, in making sure that you're capturing their attention. Yeah. I love what you said about connection is the conversion long game. I actually wrote that down because that is so, yes, so true and <laughs> so good. That's such a good little mm -hmm. nugget of information because you're right. Everybody's like conversion, conversion, conversion. You know, here's a book on how to get more conversions. Here's a, you know, free training. Here's a webinar. Here's, I mean, there's everything out there, but there's not a lot of trainings on teaching you how to connect with people. <laughs> and so I, I love that you just dove right into that. I love that you're so into coffee dates. I don't <laughs> drink coffee, but coffee dates are my jam too. So love it. You know, yes. show up with my little Dr. Pepper and, and get to <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're so right. I think, and I, I see this all the time where there will be a business owner, an influencer, you know, a person on Instagram who's constantly preaching authenticity and connecting with your audience and letting people get to know you and, and this, that, and the other. And then you go to their website and it's like, this is my name. This is my services. Here's why you need my yeah, services. Exactly. And it's just, it sounds like a robot. Mm -hmm. And if you're not putting your personality into it, why would people want to work with you over somebody else? Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think you just hit the nail right on the head. So spot on because you know, I think you have to look at it from the customer's view too, from a consumer's standpoint. When I go 
to hire somebody, when I go to outsource to somebody or I'm going to hire one of their services or buy from their shop or anything like that, most of the time I'm looking at their homepage and, you know, whether we like it or not, we're kind of automatically judging them based on how that homepage looks. Like, yes. oh, well, they use this color and I hate this color. So mm, I'm going to go find another shop. Mm -hmm. Like we do, we subconsciously do that a lot of the time. And so you're judging them on that homepage. You're reading their about page and you're judging how they talk to you. And if you're like me, you read their about page and you read it as if they're saying it to you, like to your face. And so if it sounds like a robot and it sounds like they could care less whether you get to know them or not, then there's a disconnect there and people are going to end up going somewhere else. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think too that if we fill our websites with features and pricing and all of those nuts and bolts only, then we are going to attract price shoppers because people are going to have those two tabs up on their website and they're going to say, okay, um, this is a photographer and this is a photographer. This is what they include in their package and this is what they include and it costs this much. That's price shopping and you're going to attract price shoppers. But if you focus on the relationship, if you focus on the transformation that's going to occur, um, all of those kind of deeper things that is what that are what people really want and crave, then you are going to get people that want to hire you and only you always and forever, tell all their friends, all of that kind of stuff. And that's really the goal. Like I don't want to, I really don't want clients who hire me because I'm the cheapest. I want them to hire me because I'm the best and they are confident that I can help them into that transformation and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that is another mindset shift that's necessary because we are inadvertently attracting those people who are going to price shop if we're just putting those bullet points on our website. Mm, that is so, so true. And, <laughs> and you hear people all the time, like in Facebook groups and in workshops and all these things that are like, I just keep getting clients that ask me my prices and then they hear my prices and they disappear or, you know, whatever. And I think that should be your red flag right there, that there's something on your website, on your social media, something that's attracting those people. Because we hear all the time, you need to know who your ideal client is. You need to find where they hang out. You need to, you know, speak to your ideal client. But knowing who your ideal client is, is great. And it's definitely something that you need in business. Mm -hmm. But if those are not the people landing on your website and staying and actually becoming clients, then there's some kind of disconnect. There's something that you haven't quite nailed yet. So I think that should be your first red flag to go look at your website because that should tell you right there, okay, if my ideal client is landing on my website, but the price shoppers are the only people that I'm getting inquiries from, what's happening? What page are they falling off on? Where is mm -hmm. it, you know, where is it falling apart? And I, most of the time, I feel like it's going to come down to something you said on the website. It's either you're not really personable enough and didn't show your personality, or it's the language that you used. And so I, I think you're absolutely right on that. And I think that 
that's a great first step for our audience is to just make that shift and, you know, go look at your website, reevaluate what, what you've written and decide if I went on a, on a coffee date with somebody, if I was meeting a new friend, is this how I would talk to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think just one note on the ideal client thing, because that is such a pain point for people because I think a lot of business owners are like, okay, I have this freebie that I downloaded somewhere and it's my ideal client profile. Now, like, what do I do with it? She likes to shop at Target. She likes wine. What am I supposed to do with this kind of thing? And so I think it's important to um, be able to visualize that. But one, I suggest that you model it off of a real person if at all possible. And two, um, I think it's necessary to take those items. Like for, if I was somebody's ideal client, I like iced coffee and I love coffee dates and I'm really obsessed with my dog, but what does that show them that I value? So if it comes to coffee dates, that might show them that I really value one-on-one time with people um, and really getting to go deep. Um, So that's more of a value than just like an item. And you can speak to a value sometimes more easily and in more depth than you can speak to an item. So taking those things, if you have an ideal client profile of some kind, taking those things and making sure that you go deeper into what does this say about them as um, a human with a heart and a brain and all of that kind of stuff, um, then that's going to help you speak to them a little bit easier. Right. So what do you suggest for if, let's say we have a listener who now goes and looks at their website, goes and looks at that copy, you know, looks at all of these pieces and they say, okay, I get it. There's a disconnect. I need to fix it. If they don't have the means to hire a copywriter or, they're not sure if that's the right step for them. What changes can they start making now? What are your suggestions? You know, for obviously they need to maybe be a little more personal, but what if they don't know how to do that? Do you have suggestions for how they can kind of start actually putting their personality more into the copy and really actually reaching those people a little better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there are two different aspects to that question. One is, um, who am I as a business owner, as a brand, all of that. And one is how do I move people to action? So those are two separate things. And I suggest that you kind of attack them separately. I think the moving people to action, um, can kind of be, if you feel like your message is solid, but you just don't have that, like, people aren't taking action. You can do a couple of things that are pretty simple and then you can be able to tell if that's actually the case. Like if your message is actually nailing it. So one, um, would be to make your content more skimmable. So I think a lot of people have just like big, huge chunks of text on their website that are not readable or skimmable. And if you take the time to, pull out your, I call them like your drop the mic statements, but pull those big ideas out and make them in bigger text, kind of like a header sort of thing so that people can more easily move down the page. Um, then that's going to be sure that people actually are hearing what you say. Um, and then making sure that you have a clear journey for your client. 
um, or your visitor when they land on the page all the way to what you want them to do. So I would start with what you want them to do um, and then kind of work backwards. So if you want them to book an inquiry call, work backwards on your website and make sure that that is so, so clear to them through every single thing that they click um, in order to get there. So those are a couple of like just technical ways to fix things. Um, but when it comes to establishing your voice um, and your core message, I think it's really key to not try and craft something outside of yourself, but just to have the courage to dig into who you already are. Um, and I think that is the hardest thing because a lot of us think that our quirks or the things that we like or um, what we value is insignificant just because we're used to it. And I think that if you take the time to kind of map those things out um, and then use those things to be consistent and help people understand who you are and what you're going to do for them, then that is going to, the outcome is going to be far more than you could imagine. And you'll find that people don't think that your things are insignificant and it actually sets you apart and things like that. So I think those are my kind of two different answers to those questions. Those are great tips, but I love the last part that you just said, because it's so true. And, you know, when I started out in business, I was a wedding planner and I set up my business and set up my branding basically with all of the things that I like. And I didn't do it on purpose. I just did it because I was young and in college and thought it was a cute business. <laughs> and, but at you know, as the years went by and as I started learning about marketing and branding and finding your ideal client, all of these things, I realized that I had kind of done myself a favor by setting it up that way because, you know, we can talk about, you know, branding that looks good and fonts that look good and color psychology and, you know, trying to actually play to your ideal client, all of these different pieces. And it's all true. But at the end of the day, to some degree, you are your brand. Yeah. And if, if you're putting some of those little nuances in there, you're going to attract the people that like or can relate to those same nuances. So the very first business Instagram I ever set up, I had no idea what to really put in the bio other than wedding planner. And I felt like it should have something else in there. And so I put something about how much I love pink and Dr. Pepper. And now I have people in my life that actually know me because of my love of Dr. Pepper. And that's the only thing they'll probably ever remember about me besides my name. But it's, it really is that important because that, that's a connection that I've now made with people over literally a can of Dr. Pepper. And yeah. you know, you and I hopped on this interview today before we hit record. And I was like, Oh my gosh, your dog is named Joey Tribbiani. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm a friends fan. And it's, it's a connection. It's a, a thing that you can relate to and we'll probably stay in touch like forever now because mm -hmm. now we're, you're my, you're my new friends fan. Yes. And <laughs> so I think when you put those personal details in there, you know, even if you're a, a, a service-based business or a product-based business and, and you're not doing so much like one-on-one -on -one work, even then 
there still has to be something somewhere in that pipeline where people can actually relate to a real human being. Oh yeah. And if you're saying I'm a friends fan or I love Dr. Pepper or look at my cute pink office, you're going to attract people that like those same things, or at least, you know, can kind of relate to them and relate to the fact that you love putting out those personal details. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think so often people are so scared to let people really truly see who they are and they feel like they have to keep business and personal separate. And I do think to a degree, you know, you separate your business and your personal life. You know, you should probably have a separate bank account for your business finances. Like there's a a certain level that you keep them separate, but at some point they've got to feed into each other. At some point you've got to recognize that your personal life is part of your business life and vice versa because you started this business. So it automatically became a part of your life and you've got to, you've got to show that side at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you hit it exactly that you have to be willing to show who you are and be able to own that. But I think the magic that your business needs to tap into is when who you are meets exactly who they need and you like give each other a big hug because that is like the magic of your business. And that is what you kind of need to figure out. I almost feel like a matching game of some kind. I'm like making this up off the top of my head, but (laughs) I'm looking at my whiteboard in my office right now. If you could like on one side list all of your things, um, that you like love everything you value. And then on the other side, you have your dream person's things that is hopefully modeled somewhat off of a real person. Um, cause we don't want to only imagine fake people, but then just like play the matching game. And then in the middle, like write more about that. Like why do those two things connect? And even if they're different things, how do like the heart behind them connect or different things like that? And so I think just taking the time to think about how, who you are exactly right now, who you were made to be connects with who they need in order to become the best version of themselves. And I think if you take the time to really think about that, which it takes like real thinking, it's not just like a five minute kind of exercise. Um, but you would have endless things to talk about, to relate to people with all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then that makes the action piece a lot easier once they feel that connection with you. Yeah. You've got to tap into that part of yourself that really wants to set your friend up on a blind date and play matchmaker. <laughs> yes. Yes. <totally. laughs> you do. And I, I think that's a really good point. You just, it's not about becoming the person that's automatically going to relate to who you think your ideal client is. And it's not right. about finding one very specific person who fits this very specific bill that you've mapped out as your ideal client. It's about taking the things from the person you figured out is your ideal client and taking some of the things from yourself and seeing where you can make those things connect. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you said that and you kind of mentioned that about having it meet in the middle and then writing more about that. Because if you can find those, those points of contact, those points of connection, and then focus on that in your copy and in your captions and 
and really hone in on those little details, you're going to find the right people. And it doesn't have to be this very specific avatar that you've named Becky. It can be <laughs> anybody who has any details like Becky. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like you open yourself up to a slightly bigger audience that's still the right audience for mm -hmm. you. Yep. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said that like people know you for Dr. Pepper, it's the same thing for me and iced coffee. And almost every single inquiry I get, people are, they either start it with, I love iced coffee or I don't love iced coffee, but can we still be friends? Like that's just their <laughs> kind of like point of connection to me. And so I think that goes to your point that it doesn't have to be something so specific, but people can get behind you being obsessed with something and you knowing what you love and being passionate about things and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that it does work to kind of attract those same people, but it also keeps you top of mind and helps people remember you, even if they don't have those same obsessions or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think everybody has something they're obsessed with. Uh -huh. So I think you're right. Like, you know, even if you don't like Dr. Pepper or you don't drink soda at all, you, like you could probably appreciate that I drink a lot of Dr. Pepper. You, maybe you drink a lot of coffee or you really love a glass of wine, or maybe you just are really into this TV show or like you can understand having an obsession. And so that's automatically, you know, a point of connection right there because you can identify with what it's like to be obsessed with something and to really enjoy it. And to want to share that with your audience and with the world. And so mm -hmm. I think that's a great, a great point that you really don't have to find those super, super specific things. You just have to find how they relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> what is your earliest memory of Dr. Pepper? Like when did the obsession start? Gosh. Um, Hmm. I don't know. I just remember drinking it like my whole life. I mean, I remember we used to, for like family gatherings at holidays, we would always go to one of my aunt's house and we always did everything at her house. And mm -hmm. she loved Dr. Pepper. Okay. And so she always had Dr. Pepper there for me and her. And I don't know, I guess maybe when I was little before I can actually remember, maybe she gave it to me or something. And that was, that was just it. And so every time I was at her house, I'd drink it. Every time we got together with the family, I'd drink it. You know, I started getting my mom to buy me Dr. Pepper so I could have it at home. If we'd go out to a restaurant, that's what I ordered. And it just stuck. And I went through this like one little phase in high school where I was really into sun drop, which if you're not in the South, you have no idea what that is. But um, <laughs> I say that people are like, sun what? Um, but yeah, but I, because my high school didn't have Dr. Pepper in the drink machines and that was devastating for me. And then I got to college and went right back to Dr. Pepper. So it's hmm. been a thing for as long as I can remember. And I can't tell you how it started, but I'm sure it probably had something to do with holidays at my aunt's house. Yeah. I love that. So to me that I always tell my clients and, um, just people in my audience who struggle with coming up with something of substance to talk about because they're maybe like, yeah, I really like charcuterie boards, but I don't, I mean, 
so what? I can only talk about that so much. But if you follow your obsessions, you'll probably find a meaningful story. And that is just like fact on everyone's obsessions. Because for you, it was related to like family and fun experiences. And it may have been related to like how much you valued your aunt and like what she liked and you took after her in that. And it's the same thing for me with coffee. My very first memory of coffee was my aunt taking me out for a coffee date when I feel like I'm going to cry. I don't know why this feels like an emotional story, but it's not. Um, my aunt took me out for a coffee date when I was like 10 and I didn't get coffee. I got like an Italian soda or something. Um, but I so valued her taking me intentionally to the coffee shop to just talk to me. And I was 10 and she was finding out like how I did in PE this week and like what boys I liked and stuff like that. But it felt so intentional to me that that stuck throughout my life. And so I think that it's important to think about those surface level things because it gives people a a lower barrier to entry, but then also think about like, why do I love that? And can people relate to that piece and all of that kind of stuff? I love that so much. Like you almost made me tear up a little bit. You're like, I feel like I'm going to cry. And I'm like, oh crap, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah, no, I, and and I think that's just it. It's not, it doesn't always have to be about the obsession. It's about the experience that you had because of that obsession. It's how it started to begin with. And, and, you know, most people can somewhat identify with having some sort of gathering or, you know, remembering times with your family or something like that, that they have a good memory with, whether it's like some friends that you had that you got together this one time and you'll never forget it. Or, you know, when you were little and and you got together for holidays with your family or, I mean, people have those experiences they can relate to. And so I love that you just like broke down my Dr. Pepper obsession and made me me figure out where that came from because now I'm totally going to use that. But but I, I do, I think, people really love experiences. They want experiences they can relate to. And I I think that's really what you've hit on with this conversation is when you're trying to book clients, when you're trying to bring in new people into your audience, it's not going to work if all you're worried about is conversions. It's not going to work if all you're worried about is sales. You have to, have to, have to put your personality into it. Mm -hmm. You have to give them an experience that they can relate to even if it's not an exact love of Dr. Pepper, give them a love of family, give them a love of an experience, give them a love of something that they can relate to that makes you seem more personable and, and roll with that. And so I I think that's a good stopping point. I think Mm -hmm. you gave some really tangible tips for what they can do. You, you know, talked about mindset shifts and and all of this. And so I think this was such a well-rounded conversation. So I'm so, so freaking excited for our listeners to hear it. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since it's the end of the episode though, I do have a lightning round for you that I do with every guest. So let's dive into that. Awesome. So what is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Hmm, The first thing I do is make coffee and then I sit down and (laughs) In the morning is the only time I have hot coffee and it's always black. Um, So I sit down with my coffee and I journal for about 
30, 45 minutes journal slash have like a quiet time, like read the Bible and stuff like that. Um, but it's funny every time I get up and I'm making my coffee, my puppy Joey will just wait for me. And then I sit down and put on my blanket and the blanket has a little bit left at the bottom. And then he just like plops down on that piece of the blanket whenever I sit down. So it's like his routine too. It's pretty awesome. That's adorable. And I love your routine, <laughs> but I have to admit when I asked the question, I was sitting here waiting, like, is she going to say coffee? She has to say uh, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> All right. What is the last book that you read? Oh gosh. I read so many books. I typically have like three going at the same time. I think the last one that I read that was fiction was called the Alice network. It was part of the Reese Weatherspoon book club. Um, Ooh, I love her book club. <laughs> yes. And it's so good. It's really good. It's like historical fiction. Um, but it kind of has that like flashing back and forth narrative between two different characters, which I really like because every time they end one character story, you're like, dang it, I want to know what's next. And then it like flips to the other character. So it's really good. Um, the last business book I read, I'm looking at my shelf, was uh, I reread Do Over by John Acuff. And if you haven't read anything by John Acuff, you should. He's hysterical. Um, but also Mike McCallowick's, um, I just read his clockwork book, which I'm sure most business people have heard of. Um, but it talks about kind of like how to scale your business. Um, but he's also hysterical. So I really like business books that have humor mixed in because I, could go on the internet and find something boring to read if I wanted to, but I, it needs to have a little bit of like human interest for me in order to get something out of it business wise. I totally agree with that. A hundred percent. Clockwork is a really good one. It I is. love that book. Yes. Absolutely love that book. So those are great recommendations. It's kind of challenging. I yeah. sort of wanted to throw the book out the window the first couple of chapters. So just give it a little bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Very true. And I yeah. love I love Reese Witherspoon's book club too. So yes. if you're into fiction, they're always good. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. What is one item that you recommend to everybody? So this can be whatever you want, a service, a product, but something that you feel like everybody has to have. You just want to shout it from the rooftops. Oh my goodness. That is the hardest question. Um, <laughs> I think everyone needs to have if you say coffee, I'm, I'm just going to die laughing. Well, I was thinking about, I really would like to be hashtag sponsored by chameleon cold brews. I'm like, should I do a plug for them? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I think I would say my Apple AirPods. I love my AirPods and like, I feel so cool and like kind of futuristic with them. So I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I have, I have not like knockoff AirPods. They're not actually uh -huh. AirPods. They're little cheap Amazon ones, but yeah, I rarely wear them because I just have these big, bulky mint green headphones that to me, they just look like, I don't know. They just look like kind of retro, I guess. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with them and they're so like comfortable that. on my ears and they're wireless. Yeah. And so I just walk around with those instead of my, my, um, little earbuds. And I'm like, yeah. I just, I love those headphones so much. So That's I get awesome. it. I totally yeah. get it. They make you feel um, so cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right. Last question. What is either your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Hmm. The best piece of advice or a favorite quote. I would say it's kind of both in one. I think Marie Forleo is attributed with this quote, although it's like kind of a general idea, but just start before you're ready. I think that has been a theme throughout my life and business. And I think just like you're never going to actually be ready. And so just start and you'll figure things out along the way. And I think that that is the most powerful way to actually get where you want to go instead of just dreaming about where you want to go. I love that. And I think it's so, <laughs> so, 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 so accurate. I cannot say so enough. Yes. Um, cause, yeah. I think you just learn the things you need to learn. And, you know, I've, I've heard mentors that I have that say, you know, I always figured it out and I feel the same way about my business journey. I just, when something came up, I always figured it out. And so, okay. yeah, I think if you, if you sit down and worry about whether or not you're ready, you'll never start anything. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, so I love that. All right. Well, tell everybody where they can find you website, social media, whatever you want to tell them, but give them somewhere to look you up. Yep. So I am at Jess Jordana on Instagram. Um, and then my website is www.jessicajordana.com. Um, and there you can find all of the good stuff you can get on my email list. And I always kind of mix it up with the content there and give you helpful tips to connect and convert. And, um, then I also just talk about like random life stuff sometimes. Um, and then, yeah, most of the stuff that I do is on Instagram. So come hang out there and send me a DM. I love DMing with people and I'll probably send you like a voice message or a vid video message. So don't freak out if I do that. <laughs> and I also wanted to mention, um, if you feel like after this episode, um, your website copy needs a total makeover, I actually have, um, a new shop that just launched a couple of weeks ago. It's called the Promplet shop. Um, and it is a collection of digital products that are 50% prompt, 50% template um, to help you create website copy that doesn't sound like everybody else's, which I feel like is everyone's pain point. So it is really the whole process laid out for you so that you don't have to kind of stare at that um, blinking cursor, realm of hell kind of situation. So that's available for you guys too. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jess, thank you so much, seriously, because I really do feel like there's so many good little nuggets of information in this episode. And I'm really excited. Number one, that you started with the mindset shift to begin with, and then you actually gave tangible steps to mm -hmm. go fix something and change something. You know, I, I always say this is a business and personal development podcast because I feel like you can't have a good business without good personal development mm -hmm. and without working on yourself. And so absolutely, I love that. I love that we started with mindset and, and worked on that, but but that you also gave like actual tangible, tangible advice. Cause I know sometimes that's hard when everybody's like, well, okay, I've got the mindset, right. But now what? So thank you so much just for your wisdom, your insight, and especially your time and just sharing all of that with our audience. Cause I think they're really going to love it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Well, ladies, that's it for this time. 
but don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.